Roselli Northern supports upstate New York construction with over 400 employees, 250 trucks, 9 ready-mix plants, 4 blacktop plants, and 40 aggregate mines. But their most important number is your bottom line. Contact them today to see why Roselli Northern has been the choice for contractors and project managers across upstate New York since 1929. Here from FingerLakes1.com, live in Sanga Falls, New York. Paul Russo and Kyle Evans here with you. Um, it's been a pretty, I won't want to say quiet week. It's been a couple major headlines, but that's about it. So not bad through the first full week of spring training in that sense. But the major headlines are big on each side. Kyle, uh, we are in the midst of, like I said, week two of spring training at this point. How have things been going on your end? Well, my favorite part is no new injuries are reported for the Yankees yet. Yeah. Um, hopefully everyone came out clean today. But since Boone you know, first spoke eight days ago, uh, there's been nothing new. And it seems like every other year at this point, even though we're only week, a week and a half kind of into the flow of things, that there's lots of injuries. So I'm just praying that that continues. Um, obviously, the Mets are dealing with something we're going to get into a little later. Um, but overall, I'm just excited as a Yankee fan that the injuries are good. Yeah, so obviously positive there. Uh, you mentioned the Mets, and that's actually where we will be starting today is with the Mets, uh, and namely Kodai Singa, the right-handed reliever, uh, dealing with, well, we'll save the actual injury here for a second. We'll give the timeline first. Has a uh, session on Tuesday, Uh Report some arm fatigue going on there. Uh, workout missed on Wednesday yesterday for that. Um, got some testing done at the facilities out in St. Lucie. Uh, Manager Carlos Mendoza said that the session on Tuesday is when the injury first arose, the issue. Um, and then today, fast forward after testing done yesterday, Sanga was diagnosed with a posterior capsule injury uh, strain on his right in his right shoulder. Uh, we'll be opening the season on the injured list. General Manager David Stearns uh, says he will be shut down until strength returns and symptoms subside, uh, meaning there is no timeline. Brutal for the Mets. Um, I will steal more or less. Here's my thoughts on this. I'll see what I heard on MLB Network last night from Dan Plesak, and I agree with him 100%. This is something that um, if you were at the end of spring training, It'd be one thing. A lot of pitchers deal what is known as dead arm at that point. Um, not super common, but uh, common enough that you wouldn't get too worried after a workload picks up. Uh, the fact of the matter is um, coming into spring training five days after you report, and that's the injury, is a brutal blow across multiple fronts for the Mets and Kodai Senga as a pitcher. Yeah, uh, he's the ace of the staff. Um, through 166 innings last year, uh, that might kind of maybe be the issue here. Um, you know, in Japan, he didn't throw quite as many innings. Um, he was rather healthy for most of the year last year, very dependable, but now you start camp and you get this kind of news. Um, I would say it's a good thing. They kind of added some pieces and 
you know, in the offseason, some more depth pieces, um, you know, on top of like Tyler McGill and um, Joey Lacasey and Jose Budo. Um, but yeah, it's still, it's still tough. And, you know, the guys that they did add also have an injury history. So you hope guys like Luis Severino, you know, don't suffer an injury and stuff like that, or suddenly the pitching takes a hit. So yeah, not great. Um, but I guess it's better than maybe middle of the season, but I'm still worried overall because that's not good. Yeah. I mean, just the fact of the matter is you mentioned a couple key things, right? Uh, Mets held them to more or less 166 and a third or something like that innings last year. With that plan, right, of, like, uh, coming over from Japan, not used to throwing and having the workload that the major league schedule kind of provides, um, did really well, was, frankly, probably going to be the ace of the Mets staff. I don't, I don't know another way really to, around it, right? And puts the Mets behind the hole, behind the eight ball here, Um you know, it's interesting because we'll be talking about them with the Yankees, right? Maybe it kind of forces their hand back into, say, like the Blake Snell or Jordan Montgomery market as it stands right now. Um, you know, it's it's brutal. And, you know, I mentioned, like, the dead arm thing a little bit and how you see that maybe more so as spring gets going. But the fact that this popped up, like I said, five days into spring training, um, for me, that's – really where the worry actually is in a weird way because like he shouldn't have been doing anything in theory all that taxing in the off season like I'm sure he was throwing and working out and stuff like I, I don't expect guys not to be but for him to come into camp and have this issue right away that's the eyebrow raising thing for me that that's the pro- problem spot for me you know I just, I, I don't know. Like, it puts, there's such now a question mark for a team where, like, and this is obviously this portion of it is for a podcast for a month or so down the line at this point. Well, actually less than that, really. But, like, I expected the Mets to actually compete a little bit this year. Like, I didn't, you know, I didn't win the division, no. Getting through a wild card, I, I did a, do, and probably still do expect the Mets to compete for a wild card spot. Um. And Kodai Seng was a big reason for that. And now with no timetable to to get going and beginning the year on the IL, I mean, and because he's not going to be doing anything until positive momentum is going with his shoulder, I, I don't know what we're looking like. June maybe at the earliest, I'd say. Like, it's one of those things where it's like – it could come back as a shoulder could get strength and be good here in a couple weeks, but like I doubt it. Like Rob Marinaccio had the same issue two years ago, I think it was in the summer, I believe it was for the Yankees, and like he pretty much missed the rest of the year at that point. Like it's one of those things where it's like I feel like June's probably being optimistic because he's going to have to build back his workload, and he's going to have to have some you know multiple minor league rehab starts. Like you're to me, you're looking at a three-month timeline and that's with no timeline that's the positive that's me I think trying to think on the positive end and on this the uh, hypothetical side of things you know yeah I found it interesting that David Stern said that this doesn't necessarily mean they'll be going to look for outside help and my thought is why wouldn't you at least look or or why didn't he why didn't he say it that way right he just kind of immediately like ruled it out it's like you could have like 
said it, I guess, in a better manner. But, yeah, this rotation, looking at, looking at it now, I guess, is Luis Severino your number one starter now? Yeah. And yeah. you got to split up the lefties, right? You don't want Jose Quintana and Sean Manaya going back-to-back, right? Right. So then one of them is going to be third, and then you have Adrian Hauser and then a question mark. Yeah. So is that Tyler McGill? Is that Joey Lucchese? Is that Jose Budo? Right. Or is it an outside arm? And I don't know. I, we've seen a lot of these guys the past couple of years, and, I mean, yeah, they've had some stretches where they've been good, but are you going to trust that one of those arms as your number five guy with Kodai Singh out of the rotation as well? That seems like a weaker rotation. Right, and that's the thing. Like, I think Severino kind of gets shoehorned into that spot now in a way. Um, I mean, maybe Hauser, I guess, but, like, I don't know if Budo fits that role exactly just yet. Like, I know if we were talking two years ago, he might, but, like, I don't know in the in the samples we've seen of him. Um, but then I he, mean, do you go the veteran route just out of principle and just kind of be like, hey, Jose Katana, like, congrats, you're, like, our number one, but it's only because, like, you're just the elder statesman career-wise in this situation? You know what I mean? Like, it's... And then they're in a similar situation to the Yankees that if they were to go out and add one of those veteran left-handed pitchers, mm-hmm. they're going to have three in their rotation. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's either you go all in and, I guess, try to find a trade partner somehow, some way. Um, I don't know where that would be at this time of year and how that would be. We already know, like, a guy like Dylan Cease is a ton of ton of prospects. So, that's probably a no-go. So, I, I don't know. Maybe that's kind of why David Stern said what he said, that he'll probably look to you know, go with a guy that's already there and uh, see what happens. And maybe at the trade deadline, if they're in it, you know, make a move there. If you're the Mets, I'll pose this hypothetical because I know he's still on the, on the, on the table as a free agent, not, you know, at the Mets table. But like, do you call Noah Syndergaard possibly? I mean, he's a free agent. I know. I mean, it's a different administration, everything since he was last with the Mets. So I don't know how that's going to fully play, but like, He's a righty. You mentioned the lefty thing. And, oh, by the way, whenever David Peterson comes back, like that's a fourth lefty you have to deal with in this scenario. I I mean, I'd at least make the phone call, right? I mean, this late in, this late in the timeline, it'd be a minor league deal. But, like, it's more or less just to ramp up and get ready for a spot in the rotation, presumably. I don't know. I, yeah. I would at least make the phone call in my mind. Just looking at the guys that are left, Michael Lorenzen. Yeah, so yeah, another option. Is that a yeah. possible option there? Um, yeah, yeah, I think there's maybe a couple options that they could do, um, but it's not great, and it sucks because if they had known this maybe a month, a month and a half ago, they might have won a different direction. Even two weeks ago. Yeah. I mean. So, uh, yeah, I, I am curious to see, like, was there any sort of any, like, issue with – Sanga's workout that he maybe just kept quiet in the offseason and then he thought he got through it and then it popped back up. Right. Because if that's the case, that's tough. I mean, and why I mentioned too about two weeks ago, like Spencer Turnbull was signed like a week and a half ago. Like another that's guy. another possibility that Mike they could have. Like Clevenger. Had. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe there are a couple options they could go with. I mean, there, there are options there. I think they have to do it. I think they have to pull a trigger on one of those guys, specifically right handed, obviously. Yep. Um, but. Hey, I guess it kind of remains to be seen. Yeah, you're right. I, I don't know. Kodai, does, he doesn't strike me as a guy who would kind of leave them in the dark in a way. Um, just the way baseball is, not assuming they probably knew whatever he was doing in the offseason anyway. I think that's just kind of the question mark with this is just like, how did this just pop up, like more or less? And 
uh, just puts them in such a lurch, man. And, like, he's he was one of the kind of collective few positives from the Mets last year. Um, and I know it, it's probably homerish of us because we cover the team here on the podcast and stuff like that, but, like, in terms of, like, Northeast baseball last year, like, he was one of the really bright spots. I mean, whenever he pitched, like, Ghost Fork was trending on Twitter, now X. So, it's just, it's brutal. It takes the winds out of your sail for for opening spring training and kind of the hope around camp. And, because, I mean, you see all the social media posts and stuff like that. Like, Lindor is obviously big smile. <laughs> All the young guys are pretty much all smiles. I always generally say about how, like, Pete Alonzo is just very stoic at this point because that's just Pete Alonzo, I feel like. But, you know, and I haven't seen much today because I was getting ready for this and uh, our other, you know, broadcasts and stuff like that we got coming up. So I haven't seen much today from Mets camp, but uh, I can't imagine it's exactly, you know, puppy dogs, unicorns, and little baby seals. You know what I mean? So... Tough spot. All right, let's uh, move on here to another note here with the pitcher Adam Adovino out of the bullpen for the Mets. Uh, the spring and during the winter, working on a new pickoff move. Um, some stats here about this. So Adovino allowed 22 stolen bases in 2023, which was the most among primary MLB relievers in the season. Uh, he was also among 342 qualified pitchers in the statistic pitcher base advances prevented which is just keeping runners at bay he was 341 341 and 342 uh and apparently that actually had, he's a stat guy he's a numbers nerd if you want to call it that but apparently those numbers really ate at him this offseason going into the offseason so we want to work on it uh quick trivia time before we go further do you know who pitcher 330 342 is kyle out of that stat the worst at prevented base advances prevented. Oh man. I feel like it's gonna be a Yankee. It is not. Okay. I thought it was gonna be like that. <laughs> oh man. I can't think right now. Um I'm on the spot. Yeah, I'm not gonna be able to say one. Noah Cindergaard. Oh, yep. so a free agent yes. guy is yes. exactly. the only one worse. So. <laughs> wow. Which is funny how I brought him up, but, you know, either way. Um, yeah, it's pretty interesting. I saw him actually during live BP yesterday. Adovino was throwing during live BP and uh, requested that runners stay on base so he could work on his pickoff and work on trying to keep them at bay. So Starling Marte was one of the runners that he preferred to have out there because Marte kind of known to – Known to mess with pitchers a little bit and stuff like that, so out of you know wanted him out there. Um, I think this is pretty big. I mean, I know um, we have traditionally, I feel like, some mixed feelings about out of you know uh, as a whole within here, but uh, you know, I I like the guy. I think it's pretty it, it's pretty good seeing a, a veteran of his caliber kind of trying to continuously improve in that way, and especially in a spot where I don't think many people think about improving. Um, when you hear pitchers talk, they're always talking about, oh, I want to improve this pitch. Like, I've been working with a new grip. I've been trying to do this. I've been working. A lot of guys do, like, you know, flat, the flat or flat ground drive work and stuff like that. You know, rarely do you ever hear about, especially a reliever, one that's right-handed, want to work on his pickoff move. Um, and for him, if that means 
doing this work in the offseason and doing this work in spring training and it helps the Mets, I think that's even better because, you know, we talked about how for them last year, the bullpen had been a big, big struggle point a lot. And Adovino was one of those guys. And, you know, obviously, like I said, it irked at him in the offseason. He wants to improve upon it. And seeing him put in the work through all the offseason now into spring camp and doing stuff in live BP, I think that's a pretty good sign, at least early on in my mind, about uh, presumably one of the anchors in the bet bullpen. Yeah, definitely good to see. But I guess where I would go is he's been in the big leagues for 14 years and mm-hmm. at the age of 38, now he wants to work on it in spring training. Well, after he's had all these spring trainings, um, he's it's been an issue forever, even back as, to his Yankee days. Mm-hmm. Well, think about the rule changes, though. Yeah, but I still think if you look back, he's probably one of the worst every year. No, I, and I don't disagree. I just think that with the way the rules are now, you know, guys like him will just get eaten up. I mean, we like I cannot imagine if John Lester was still playing in this rules climate, like he would be eaten alive, and that's as a lefty. You know what I mean? So for him, I mean, I, I get what you mean. Like I, I, I definitely accept that, and and beyond respect that side of it but like I think the role changes last year just for these guys especially like Adovino obviously I mean we've seen his delivery right I mean it's not exactly conducive to holding guys on anyway like you said but you know it definitely for him I mean it adapt or die type situation and he's choosing to adapt and rather die um let's move on here one last note for the Mets and it involves a couple former Yankees at one time and a former Met coming back into the fold. Luke Voigt and G-Man Choi, both first baseman DH, signed on to minor league deals within the past handful of days. Choi spent 2023 with the Pirates and the Padres. And uh, at his time, it was reported that he was going to be competing with Mark Vientos and DJ Stewart for some of the DH role with the Mets. Uh, And that was until Luke Voigt signed a couple days ago. Voight rejoining the Mets organization after spending 37 games with AAA Syracuse in 2023. He also spent time with the Brewers last year, and it will be competing. It was reported for the final bench spot uh, on the Mets, although I feel like that also, also a.k.a. the DH role for the Mets this year. Uh, but for him, it's kind of reported tagline with it. Expect to probably start at Syracuse this year. So uh, pretty interesting. A couple depth guys uh pieces here we know what both can kind of do uh but it appears to me the Mets are just kind of just like I wouldn't say bargain hunting for this DH position we were kind of talking about a little bit last week I know I brought up like JD Stewart for example or <laughs> JD Martinez you brought up DJ Stewart as an in-house option when we talked about Mark Vientos wanting to seize the opportunity for them I think there's probably a little bit of like a matchup type thing uh, more on the G-man choice side of things for Luke Voigt I see it as more of a true depth piece, uh, probably to be a truer backup to Pete Alonzo, per se, than anything else. But, you know, for both these guys, minor league deals, try and take a hold of the roster here. Yeah, if Luke Foyt gets back to his 2019, 2020 years, look out. Uh, that, guy, that guy was hitting pretty well just a few years ago for the Yankees. So, yeah, I like the signing. Um, you know, he's already been in the organization. He's already been in Syracuse. So, um you know, if he does start there, maybe he'll eventually get the call. But, yeah, I like that they've added depth there. Um, two guys, uh, you know, if there's any injuries, they're, they're filled in. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, both, like I said, both both 
are known what they can do. Both are known what they can't do, really, at this point. Um, you know, it will be interesting to see how it plays out, especially, like I said, I mean, if they're doing the DH thing, I mean, J.D. Martinez is still right there. <laughs> uh, all right, let's transition with the Yankees. The big thing with them really has uh, nothing to do with any news, necessarily, and that's because over the course of the past uh, 24 to 36 hours, really, the Blake Snell rumors have picked back up per Mark Feinstein. Uh, an offer has been put out there for Snell once again by the Yankees with the Angels and Giants remaining as possible options. That's since been contradicted by a couple of New York beat guys I've seen, mainly Brian Hoke. I saw was kind of the one on that front. Um, and then yesterday, Barstool's Marty Mush posted that a deal was done with minor details being finalized. And then John Boy's Talking Jake also posted that he heard whispers about Snell and the Yankees will happen. I don't know. There's a lot to kind of unravel with this um, because uh, I think I'll save that portion of it when I when I, when I really go in depth on it. But um, this late in spring, uh, you know, he's more of a Boris. I guess I'll say right here. You know, Snell's a Boris client. Uh, and I think a lot of uh, the Boris clients this year have uh, gotten what I would call the raw end of the deal. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with general managers and owners just kind of wanting to bring Scott Boris back to roost a little bit here. Um, whether or not that's fully happening here, don't know. I'm not insinuating that there's like some sort of blackball type thing going on here. But um, it's pretty interesting. Um, it's been reported, like I said, like we said, this one more back in January that, you know, the Yankees were the only one to actually offer Snell a, a deal of any kind at the time. Six years, 150 was the reported numbers there. Um, I've seen rumors in addition to that that, like, the, the deal on the table for Snell right now is like a two-year deal with, like, $80 million or something like that, which would just be absurd. But um, I don't know what to kind of make of this. I don't like doing the rumor game in this sense, Kyle. Um I know you were joking. I don't know if you were fully joking with the group chat last night in that sense, but you did have stuff ready to go in case it broke last night. Uh, but I, I just I don't know what to make of this. Like I said, it's it's weird that the biggest Yankee news right now is is not news in that sense. Yeah, I think it's because of what we know. Like you just said, they've already made the offer. They've already they've been, I guess, one of the only teams that have made an offer. Blake Snell is great friends with Aaron Judge. Um, Blake Snell has been liking Yankee posts on Instagram, kind of maybe hinting towards wanting to play there. But I'm thinking about the money side of things. I don't think people realize that the holdup for the Yankees is probably because they're already over yeah. $300 million, mm -hmm. And they're going to be paying a tax rate that's going to be 110%. Yeah. So basically, if you really think about it, they're going to be paying more in taxes than they'd be playing, paying Blake Snell per right. year. So I get it. It's the New York Yankees. They have a ton of money. And they should probably look at it this way. If they put together a great product on the field and bring in another Cy Young winner, they're going to make a lot of money this year. They're going to have ticket sales go up. Right. You know, stuff's going to be going great for them. So I do kind of think that they should put this to the side and just go all in, especially because you don't know if Juan Soto will be back. You have all these free agents in the bullpen. Yeah. Shouldn't this just be the year where they just go all in and really go for it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in that sense, I, I don't disagree. I think – and this is where I hate siding necessarily with, like, Cashman and other GMs on this side of things, but you mentioned the money thing. The crop next year's better in terms of starting pitchers. 
I mean, you're looking at Zach Wheeler. I think he's kind of like one of the main headliners kind of in that. Um, you know, does Shane Bieber really perk your interest? I don't know, but like I said, that's that's like next year. I think the tough part for me is, and I circle back to this, is I worry more about the on-field side of it where you, you brought up a little bit with the Mets, Kyle. You teased it, but it's something that we brought up on here in the past where if Blake Snell is added to the Yankee rotation, you presumably have three lefties in the rotation at that point. Um, now, could one drop out? Yeah, I think it. I think at that point, if we do the hypothetical, the Snell sign with the Yankees, you have an interesting case of okay, do you bounce Clark Schmidt from the rotation or do you bounce Nestor Cortez from the rotation? Um, I would say the easier choice would do probably Schmidt out of the rotation because he's done the what I call shuttling of bullpen to starting and back and forth already a little bit. Not my biggest fan favorite, I will say. I think that's ruined a lot of Yankee pitchers in the past. <laughs> um, here's looking at you, Jabba Chamberlain and Phil Hughes. But, um, yeah, I I would be all about it. You know, I'd, I think the baseball luxury tax, obviously we all know it's the softest one in that sense of in professional sport. Um, as I call it, it's like punching through a wet paper bag, <laughs> if you will. Um, whether or not – you know, any of this happens. I, you know, if you're in the Yankees, do you want to go all out this year? I think you, I don't know if you want to necessarily say you have to, but like the Rays are always lingering in that sense, right? Competing for the division. Uh, Baltimore very clearly is not going anywhere anytime soon. Um, Toronto is meddling, right? And this is on paper, going to be one of the worst Boston teams we've seen in our lifetime. Um, I think from that sense, you you really do have to go for it. And then you look at the American League as a whole, you know, the Central probably doesn't really have anybody step up this year, I don't think. I think that division weirdly will come down to probably Cleveland once again because they're just like a zombie franchise, as I call it at this point. And in all honesty, I see Detroit probably punching above their weight a little bit this year. Um, did you see, by the way, they signed Gio Urshela right before we went live? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I wanted him to you know, return to the right. Yankees, but that was a while ago. Now it's too full. But, yeah, at least I can root for him. Right. Detroit's a team where you know, I don't hate. Right. If it was the Red Sox or something <laughs> on the other hand, uh, that wouldn't be great. Right. And then back back at here. But the West, you know what you're getting out of the West. It's presumably three teams of Houston, Seattle, and Texas. So if you're the Yankees, I think the path to getting to the playoffs at least um, is about as good as it's going to get the next couple of years, presumably anyway. I think I'm with you. I think you got to go for it. Um, does that mean you bump up the offer in that sense? Like I said, that the rumor I saw of the two-year and 80 million, that's 40 mil. I don't know if Blake Snell is worth that, though. Like, that's the thing. I would put incentives in the deal. Yeah. And uh, I would probably try to make it a two or three year deal. I, I wouldn't want to do the five that's out there. Yeah. Because he's already older. You know, he's he's still at a good level. He, he still can perform at a good level. But you know, when he gets in that fourth, fifth year, you, you just you're worried. And and not to knock him, he's a two time Cy Young winner for a reason. But a lot of the stuff with him has been very recent, right? Where it's recently really good and. 
I get concerned looking at a very similar type player who statistically has had a little bit better stats even than, than Snell in his career and Robbie Ray, where, you know, and it's a little bit different because he's just, he's had Tommy John and everything, but a guy who struggled initially off the bat with his deal in Seattle and then gets hurt and has not seen the field more or less in two years, uh, that's where I get concerned a little bit. I, I don't know. I think I'm probably blowing a little bit more smoke than I need to be in con- in terms of concern with Blake Snell and that stuff. I mean, but it's hard to, I guess, ignore in a sense at the same time. Quickly, the free agents after this year, yeah. Juan Soto, Glaber Torres, Clay Holmes, Tommy Canely, Jonathan Loisica, mm-hmm. Alex Verdugo, Caleb Ferguson, Garrett Cole has an opt-out. Obviously, he's probably be back. Anthony Rizzo has a club option. Yeah. So there, that's what I mean. There should be urgency after what you went through last year. You got Juan Soto. You don't know how long he'll be there. You know, you got all these pending free agents at the end of the year. Go all in. Yeah. And if, say that, you know, they don't end up getting Blake Snell, that's where I would like to see them finally be more aggressive at the trade deadline and not just go for a guy like Frankie Montas and thinking, you know, he's going to be the difference in, you know, getting you to a World Series win. Like, just be more aggressive. Maybe that's where they can go and try for Shane Bieber or Dylan Cease. Um, but, yeah, I, I would like Blake Snell, and I do worry about the three left-hander thing. But we saw Blake Snell last year. It didn't matter who the hell he was facing. Right, yeah. He was getting out. So, I guess you maybe can treat him a little differently than, yeah. like, a Cortez or Rodon. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'm all in on it. I, I just don't want to get my hopes up, and I won't believe it until that passing right. bomb drops. No, I'm, I'm with you there. tonight or something. There's a couple others I would respect their opinion if they were good before passing, but agreed. Agreed. Uh, speaking of Glaber Torres, let's talk about him. He spoke with the media, obviously. Uh, so he's reported to spring training. Uh, no more mustache, though. That lasted only a day. Um, <laughs> Says it'll be back. Well, he said he also just didn't want to deal with it for the 100 games or so at home, he was saying. Yeah, for, just for media day, yeah. but I guess he's going to grow it back. I'm with it. So, Glaber told reporters that he doesn't want to leave the Yankees. He feels at home. This is obviously in regards to his contract. GM Brian Cashman also spoke recently on the matter, said that there have been no negotiations regarding a potential extension, and Torres understands from the team perspective why they may not want to do an extension in season. Uh, He cited a couple examples of Aaron Hicks and Luis Severino as examples of why, but also did point out that they did do Aaron Judge right in the offseason by signing him to a deal. Um, you know, this is a guy who obviously has been in numerous trade rumors throughout the past couple of years for the Yankees, uh, brought over in the Chapman deal in 2016, um, been, I know, honestly, a staple of this Yankee team for, for a good bit now. Um, personally, I'd want him back. Um, I can understand where the Yankees might do have a little bit of hesitation. I, I get it. You know, he's he's had, in terms of stats, a very roller coaster career. I don't think there's really any way around that. Um, I wouldn't say it's a true every other year type thing, but he, he really does have his moments and really does have his valleys. Um, and I think for him, having the mindset that he does right now, kind of, of, of that deal, and he'll be asked about throughout the season, I'm sure, but that kind of the quotes he gave out, in my mind, kind of stomp out some of the stuff a little bit, right, where he goes like, yeah, if it happens, it happens. If not, you know, we'll go back in the offseason. Like, he clearly wants to be a Yankee, um, obviously already in the house. In terms of second baseman in baseball, like I said, when he's when he's on, he, he really is up there. But, you know, when he's not, 
Solis probably an above average, you know, second baseman in the league. So, you know, in my mind, I say why not. But I get, I guess I do understand maybe the hesitation from both sides maybe to doing an extension in season as much as, you know, if you're Torres, you'd like to, from the player side of it, nail it down and not have to worry about it. But contract year, right? I mean, we saw with Judge. I mean, go out there and have a year. I don't think any Yankee fan will complain if Glaber Torres shows up and hits 290 with like 35 home runs and 90 RBIs or something like that by any means, right? I mean, I think we'd all be pretty thrilled if that was his stat line going into the postseason and into the offseason. Yeah, that's been crossing my mind a lot lately. Um, on top of, you know, Juan Solaire and Judge and the regulars like Rizzo and Stanton, I'm thinking, man, it's a walk year for Glaber. If he perform, comes out and performs and puts up numbers like 2019. People will pay. 2018. Um, for one, it's going to be great for the team. And two, I mean, last year, he only missed four games. He had over 270. Yeah. He was one of the Yankees' best hitters. I get it. The team is really bad at times with the minor league guys they had in the lineup. But, yeah. you know, he was reliable. Um, even in 2022, his numbers weren't bad. So, other than, what was it, 2021, his numbers have been pretty yeah. – 2020, mm-hmm. his numbers have been pretty good. So, I would probably be in favor of bringing him back. Um, if you look at the other second baseman, there's, you know, a few that are better than him. But his numbers aren't not really that bad. I think my concern, too, with this, and I by no means am comparing Glaber Torres to Robinson Cano when I do this, but the Yankees more or less let the cornerstone of the infield that, of that time walk. And I'm not saying Torres is the cornerstone of the infield or anything like that, but he has been, like you mentioned, the – Buck stops your infielder of the Yankees the past couple years. Specifically last year, only missed four games. That infield as a general whole missed about five seasons total in games <laughs> in the past year, year and a half. Um, is he like the hitter Cano is? Not really. Is he even the fielder Cano is? Probably not really, but you want to know what? He's damn good. Damn good. And like you said, there's not a ton of second baseman better than him. I'd go, I'd go as far as limits. There's probably not a ton of really middle infielders better than him either if you were to combine second and shortstop. Um, you know, I know there's a number of shortstops better than him. I'm not dumb. But what, but when you combine the pool together, he's probably still lingering about, like, that 10th spot. Like, there's not a ton better. There really aren't. Yeah, um, I would like to see him back. Uh, but I do think there's a chance we don't see him back because right. – like you said, he's been in trade rumors a ton. You know, they were hesitant. I guess they are hesitant right now because they would have gotten the deal done like they did with Hicks if mm. they were, like, 100% in on it. Um, but if he doesn't return, I'm thinking, well, is that where the Oswald Peraza comes into play? Or, like, are they looking for the future again? Um, which I wouldn't like. I'm so tired of looking at the future. Let's yeah. win now. And I think that's the thing, too. I mean, I think the trade, the perfect example of that is uh, sending Trey Sweeney to the Dodgers for uh, Ferguson. Yep. You know, I mean, I had, to make, I had to double check on that one because some of the Yankees and Dodgers have made more trades in this offseason than they probably really ever have. But, um, I mean, you just that's the tough part, too, is, like, I get it to a certain degree. You want to hold your prospects, and we'll, we'll get to one, obviously, here in a minute that the Yankees did, but – you don't know how they're actually going to pan out, you know, and that that's the thing, you know. Yankees have gotten, frankly, pretty lucky that Glaber turned out the way he did, and um, 
should he walk, I think we both agree that there will be teams lined up for his services. I, I do not think that Glaber Torres would go silently deep into the offseason without a contract from a team next year. So, I yeah, I, it's one of those – It's you would agree with me when I say this. It's a double-edged sword. It really is. I mean, I remember sitting here with, with you talking about, you know – there was a moment where we were pretty sure Aaron Judge was not coming back to the Yankees. You know, to put it bluntly. Yep. And uh, it's just kind of the facts of life, right? I mean, they're, these are guys, they get to choose where they want to work, like we all do. And if he wants, if he ends up finding a better deal with a better situation, more power to him. And that, that, that's certainly a possibility of happening. That's why this whole entire deal is a bit of a double-edged sword, you know. All right, last really note here that uh, we get to touch on today, Kyle, is Jason Dominguez. Uh, the outfielder has reached the throwing stage of his Tommy John recovery. Dominguez has been playing catch from 60 feet uh, so far as spring training gets going. He's been off doing some side on the side fields and stuff like that. He spent uh, the winter rehabbing in Tampa, and he uh, quoted saying he's excited to ramp up activity, excited to get going, but does know that he needs to be aware and take his time, not rush things back. Uh, does expect to be back at some point this summer, hitting kind of as I've called it to certain people. Think about how Bryce Harper did it uh, as he started to come back from his injury uh, last year. So, um, you know, I think it's positive. It's good stuff. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of hope surrounding Dominguez. Obviously, future of this team. I know he's excited. He's already said he's how excited he is to be around. Obviously, Aaron Judge still and Giancarlo, but really around you know Juan Soto as well at this point. You want to talk about a hypothetically really awesome future next couple of years of the Yankee outfield if everybody was able to be retained of Judge Dominguez and and uh, Soto, that'd be that'd be pretty huge, I'd say. But uh, the main thing right now is his health, and it sounds that everybody's pretty happy and everything's progressing along as is. Yeah, definitely good news. Um, seems maybe a little quicker than anticipated, but. Um... He'll start swinging a bat, I guess, too, next week, so maybe in a few days. Um, but, yeah, I don't really want to look ahead to, like, how he's going to fit in when he returns, you know, in the right. summer because, you know, hopefully not, but somebody's probably going to be injured, and that's where he'll fit in. But right now, if you were to try to figure that out, it's tough because they have so many guys, yeah. you know, with Trent Grisham and Alex Verdugo, you know, coming over in the winter. Um, so, yeah, going to have to watch that for sure. And um, I loved what he did at the end of last year. That was very fun. I remember – that game in Houston, you know, he homers in his first at bat. It was yeah. crazy. Yeah. yeah, it's gonna be it'll be a like he even says it, right? You know, he needs he knows he needs to be patient. Probably his fans and outside influences here, we need to be patient as well with it. So And um, he's so young, he doesn't yeah. need to rush. All right. You know, you don't want to ruin something at the age of twenty one yeah. by trying to come back. Yeah. I mean, he's younger than me and I'm young. That's <laughs> the crazy part. But uh, it's a it's a pretty good problem to have if you're the Yankees having to figure out a spot for Dominguez. So, um, yeah. But uh, that is that's it for Concrete Jungle this week. Those are pretty much the only true headlines we had. But um, spring evolves, games get going this weekend, so I'm sure more headlines and stuff will come out. Uh, normally, this is where we talk about Rochester and Syracuse. No headlines there. Um, I've noticed though a couple interesting minor league signings throughout the course of. The past couple days, we mentioned a couple with the Mets. Obviously, that has to do with Syracuse, Rochester with Washington. I saw that uh, Jesse Winker signed a minor league deal with the Nationals, uh, as did Zach Davies, Luis Perdomo. Uh, there's a couple 
pretty known names that uh, we'll more than likely see in Rochester to start the year, presumably. But uh, we'll touch on that, obviously, as spring training winds down because these guys, uh, the vested veterans within the union, all have their right to opt out and be free agents again after spring training. So uh, more on that, obviously, in a couple weeks' time. But uh, that's about it from here. Um, be re-racking this and doing it again next week on Thursday. Talk about some major headlines that presumably come from the week. Don't think we missed anything, right, Kyle? Nothing breaking? No Blake Snell no, I mean, to the uh, Yamamoto Giants? This isn't really, like, I guess, huge news, but if you want to watch Juan Soto make his debut, that's on sound- Sunday. Yeah, I did. Get... on Yes Network. I got a notification. I don't know why. <laughs> I guess just because he's the superstar, which uh, – he is, and I guess if you want to watch him take spring training at bats, tune to yes at 1 o'clock and Monday as well. Well, that's before the race on Sunday for me, so I'll tune in and watch. I mean, I watch it. I like watching spring training. It's baseball. It's Especially when the stars are playing. Like Rodon will be starting on Sunday, so that'll be interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm in the mode of watching a lot of college baseball too right now and stuff like that when that's on, so it's baseball. You can't beat it. Five weeks from today. Five weeks? Gotta wait five more weeks, 35 days. Go like that, though. So, Kyle, appreciate you as always. We'll be back in, like I said, next Thursday. Touch on the more major headlines from the week that was in spring training. Until then, like, share, subscribe, all the fun stuff. We'll talk with everybody next week. Enjoy, everybody.